This evening, the Duke of Innisfree Island, the King of the Jungle in some nondescript African country, the adventures of a Spanish-ish Don, and a bumbling Englishman with no title in a made-up Welsh village. Welcome to They Don't Make Them Like They Used To. Good evening and welcome to They Don't Make Them Like They Used To and St. Mary's Hospital on the Isle of Wight. Oh, sorry, Sunshine Radio at St. Mary's Hospital on the Isle of Wight. My name is Tosin and I shall be holding your hand as we go through the next hour and a bit of of classic movies. Looking at movies made before 1980, talking about how wonderful they were and as the title says, wondering why they just don't make them like that anymore. Now, with me in the studio to go through all these things with you are Sean... Hello. And Sharon. Hello. Yes, my fellow intrepid history, well, what do they call them? Scavengers? Film no. buffs. Yeah, film buffs. <laughs> what's, what's the word of those people that are on time team? Like, you know, the people who dig stuff. Archaeologists. Ex- no, the ex- excavation thingy. Blah, what they, Exca- excavators. Oh. Ex- excavators. Okay, people who dig in the who dig around in the past and find things that they go, ooh, wow, look at that. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, arche- okay, fine. We'll call ourselves film archaeologists. Then going into the past to dig stuff up. So, um, and also, we are joined today by Jill from our pet ward in the hospital, Alveston. Uh, yeah, Jill, who's, uh, who tells us a little bit about the first time she goes to the cinema. Hello, Jill. Thank you for joining us today. We love our Alveston people, don't we? We do. Yeah, it's actually, actually, I think it's one of my favorite bits of the show, just like the stories they tell <laughs> about the first time they went to the cinema. And I'm like, what? Wow, that that's like, that's like, men- that's just mental. That's just great. All right, cool. So we usually kick off the show with a bona fide classic. This is a film that we say, look, it is just agreed across the board. This is a brilliant film. It's amazing. It's great. It's the kind of, it's the reason that people invented a camera for, so for, for moments like this. And this week, Sharon gets to choose what our bona fide classic is. So, Sharon, would you please tell us what it is? Yes, my bona fide classic is a film from 1952 and is The Quiet Man. The Quiet Man. All yes. right, to kick us off, here's a little bit of music from The Quiet Man, just simply called Main Title. I think that music sums it up really because in that music you heard tenderness, mischievousness, exuberance. It was all in that music, wasn't it? And those are elements that are all in the film. Okay, cool. So for those of us who have not seen the film, um, myself, um, could you just sort of like sum up what The Quiet Man is about? The Quiet Man is about an ex-boxer played by John Wayne. His name is Sean Thornton. He is of Irish descent and he's had a bit of an ordeal in the ring in America and he decides to retreat. He wants to leave that life behind. And he goes back to the land of his forefathers. He goes back to Ireland, a place called Inishfree where his father and his grandfather and all his ancestors into time memorial lived. And he goes back and he decides he's going to buy back his family cottage and sort of live a more simple life, having you know, been in, the, in New York and a boxer and have had, have had some celebrity in his life. And so he goes back to Inishfree and he meets a local girl played by Maureen O'Hara with this sort of stunning red hair and beautiful girl. <laughs> 
Her name is Mary Kate. And he meets her and he almost instantly sort of falls smitten with her and he starts courting with the help of the local matchmaker. And everything goes swimmingly. They go courting and they get married. And then things start to go wrong. Her brother, who's full of bombast and anger and he's a big bluff bloke, played by Victor McLaughlin, he's called Squire Danaher. And he wanted the piece of land that... Um, John Wayne has come back to buy and so he was outbid at the auction so he bears a little bit of a grudge against John Wayne for that then when he starts courting his sister he's not happy about it Mm -hmm. and then when they get married he refuses to pay his sister's dowry and that's a matter of pride for her is that you know this is her right she has a right to her dowry and so that causes like disharmony in their marriage for a while she can't understand why he won't fight for her and he says I don't need the money it's not about the money I want you I don't want your money and she says no 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 this is my right it's about a whole culture clash as well as his not wanting to fight again having had this awful experience in America and then all things come to a head when he decides to drag his wife back to his brother and says, right, you can have her back then. You either give me the money or you can take your sister back. And he says, all right, here's the money. And then, bosh, they then fight. And there's this most uproarious fight <laughs> across the whole village. And people come from far and wide to witness this barnstormer of a fight across the village. So that's it in a nutshell, and it's much more than that, but that's it. And it's a love story at its heart and about this man regaining his himself through this finding his homeland, finding the love of his life, and like coming to terms with his past. All right, cool. Good stuff. Nice, nice little sort of like video. Sean, you must have seen this. Yeah, John I've Wayne seen this movie. film. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's like John Wayne directed by John Ford. I mean, I figure you'd be all over this. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, this has got everything. I mean, I mean, the cast of actors, all his general, general uh, Victor McLaglen there is just great. But the fight scene that um, Sharon mentioned, that's I think that's like uh, that just it's one of the Hollywood because you've got scenes, like big bunches of people that you know, and the music's going, and you've got Victor <laughs> McLaglen marching, and you've got John Wayne marching, and they're going and off, and they're all like every, the whole towns are all just getting really really yeah. excited. Yeah. They're like, oh, at last, this yeah. is what we've been waiting for. It's like a, you know, like a like a big prize fight. Yeah, I remember, we, and yeah. I remember going off a little bit just quickly was at school and I was like that I got in a fight and it was like well there was going to be a fight and I had all my mates around me and they were and like, they all around fight, yeah, fight, fight. and his mates this guy I thought Ricky I still remember his name and all his mates were there and like, <laughs> we danced around a little bit and then it got broken up thank goodness but it just uh, it always reminds me of that yeah. It is one of the standout scenes in the film. I made second. a note of a couple of standout scenes. The fight was the first one. And there's a classic moment where they it starts getting a bit dirty where you see one guy like biting his leg and you see him like gouging and fighting. And one of them says, whoa, 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 whoa. Marcus of Queensby rules, boys. Marcus of Queensby rules. And he goes, right, Marcus of Queensby rules. And then you see this foot come out <laughs> off screen and <laughs> kick him in the face. And then it starts all over again and they're rolling around in the, the dirt and straw and... And every time one of them hits the ground, someone like throws a bucket of water over them. And it's like like a running joke that every time one of them like, yeah, is on the ground, another guy comes up and throws water over them. It is just funny. So, yeah, that's like one of the standout films in all any film. It's in all of cinema. It's like one of the standout classic well, fights. Yeah, because this this fight, this fight scene, it's it's about it's the only thing I've seen of the whole film. I, I was actually going to play it, but it's like it's about nine minutes long. Yes, it's long. like it's like this long drawn out fight scene, and it's just it's just hilarious because there's also this running motif that they have throughout the whole fight scene where 
you you keep having people going to say, oh, we should break up the fight. Like, like there's a young a young clergyman goes to like the priest in the village and he's like, oh, the it's like oh, there's something going on. I think we should break it up. And he's like, yes, yes, go break it up, go break it up. It's like it's Thornton. Thornton is fighting with the other guy and he's like, what? Why did you say so? <laughs> and then the the father drops his fishing rod and runs to the runs to the, and then he's standing there and he's going, go on, go on. And then the young clergyman is like, so should we break the fight up, father? He's like, yes, 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 we should, we should. Come on, get him. Get him. <laughs> and everyone's laying bets, aren't they? You see the policeman every- saying, like, call for reinforcement. <laughs> and then he said, what did they say at headquarters? I put a fiver on, <laughs> on Dana. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was, that's just one of those standout moments from the film, this fight. But again, there's some for me, the, so it's the, the colour, it's like proper Technicolor, isn't it? Oh, like, yeah. It's these lush, saturated greens of Ireland and the stone cottages with these grey stone walls. And Maureen O'Hara, she was just plopped in the middle of this with her like ivory skin she's got this glorious red hair that always seems like be blowing around in the wind and she often wears sort of bright colors to make her really stand out against the landscape yeah it, yeah she looks beautiful in it there's some bits of me think that maureen o'hara's hair was just built for technicolor yes yeah, yeah. definitely <laughs> it's like there's some of us actually think like would she have been a big star if the if like you know the technicolor thing i think it came she, in at the right time it came yeah. in at the right time for her it's like it just it just made like you know boom People and that's what people always talk about with Maureen O'Hara, like most of the things, but usually about the red hair. Yeah, about the red she hair was just, just stunning. Yeah, and this was the first pairing I think of John Wayne and Maureen O'Hara because they went on to be in like five films altogether, I believe, where they were husband mm. and wife or was the sparring film. partners. Or was it? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. they had this history where they were they just had this screen chemistry they that did. worked. I'll tell you the films if you want. Yeah, go. Yeah, for okay. It. The first one was Wings of an Eagle in '57, and then it was Rio Grande, which I good which film. Is a yeah, top think, film. yeah, we've spoken about that already, haven't we? we? Yeah, we've done I, that. I, I, I confuse it with Rio Bravo. Yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. And yeah. Rio Lobo. But, um, and then The Quiet Man, 52, and then two later films, McClintock and, and Big, Jake. Big Jake. So they obviously ah. got on really well, I would think. Big well, Jake's a good movie. Yeah, yes. I think I remember that. I, I, I remember that there was actually a time when Clint Eastwood was being interviewed and he was talking about how he happened to be like an extra on the set of. I think it was a oh woof, it was the it was a film I think it was Boudicca about Boudicca and like you know the whole thing about peeping Tom and how she rode through a, she rode through a village Lady, Lady Godiva Lady Godiva that's Lady Chatley then but no Lady yeah, Godiva Lady Godiva yeah. yeah and he was and he was just sort of talking about how the, like you know because there's a scene where Lady Godiva rides through the town on the back of a horse with no uh, like well naked and he says like Maureen Harrow was riding through that and he was like yeah everybody was on set that day Clint <laughs> 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 he was just like yeah everyone was there. <laughs> She was, yeah, one of those. I think she was one of the, a real stunner. I mean, even if you look at it, even when she was in middle age, she still was a beautiful. beautiful she just had a class scene. about her, didn't she? Yeah, and I yeah, think she matched John Wayne well because she was tall and she was really feminine. Where he was like hyper masculine, wasn't he, with his tall and broad shouldered, and right. he was always like this man's man. Yeah. And she was just like this really feminine but a strong woman, which was good, I think. Yeah, well, yeah, we, it, it she does. was always, always. Yeah, like fiery. It, yeah, fiery. That's the word. Yeah. Yeah. It, it seems like even with the letters I've seen of the film, it seems like it's really one of these things where she stands up to him. Yeah. And it's like you know, it's one of these pairings where it's not like the the man's in charge and one just stands there and keeps quiet or anything like that. But it's kind of like she she's because and I think another bit about the film is about talking about the importance of culture to a group of people. 
So where he comes in and he's coming in with what is probably seen as a more progressive attitude because it comes from America and he's like, I don't care about the money. I don't care about the diary. But she's like, no, this means something. Yeah, this, this is mean- my right. Yeah, this is my right. It's like, yeah. because, uh, um, okay, being African, I mean, I know that it's something that used to happen in a lot of different cultures. Like, you know, the whole idea of a diary. Having a diary, and, yeah. And, a, and there were and there's a story that I heard about, like, you know, a, a missionary couple who adopted this girl. And when she was supposed to get married, they, they thought, oh, no, forget about that stuff. Yeah, we don't need the diary. That's like an old age custom. And she, like, took them to task about it, going, look, if this if there's not a diary paid for me, it means I'm not worth something within this thing. It's like that, that this he hasn't had to give anything to get me. And it's like a big thing. And I, and I think it's like in this film, there seems to be this examination of a culture saying yeah. uh, she's standing up saying no it you... isn't about the money it's this is my right yeah and as a woman you know i take my dowry into the marriage with her and this is supposed to be mine yeah whatever happens to you this is mine yeah. this is my security my pension my whatever this is mine yeah. and she said you don't need the money it's not the money <laughs> <laughs> this is my pride <laughs> I, I do love it when you when you have a film like that where you have like you know strong male character goes up against strong female character and it's kind of like you know see what i i love those sort of like clashes yeah like and bit... one doesn't have to submit to the other almost it's yeah. like they both can stay strong yeah and their marriage can work yeah I mean, and, and and I know that there's there's a bit in the film which which I I can imagine nowadays would be used a little bit as people it's it's kind of like after there's the big resolution and all that kind of stuff and he goes to her brother and like they saw the whole thing and her brother eventually does pay the dowry and then after after she's half she's all happy and she goes I'm gonna go home and I'll have like you know dinner waiting for you when you get back home and stuff and even when she does that it's kind of done like. It's not particularly, it's not like she's submitting or anything like that. It's almost kind of, she's like, this is my choice. I'm going to go do this for you. Yeah. And actually, I really, really like that. I mean, I know there's films like Bringing Up Baby with Cary Grant and like Catherine Hepburn and all that. And that's where you have these two people. Oh, and the front page. Oh, no, His Girl Friday, which was an adaptation of the... Yes, another one. Yeah, where you just have that sort of like strong man, strong woman. And it's not as if anybody's submitting to anybody else. And I, I love it when you have that sort of like potted thing in the film but yeah and also i think the from the bits i've seen of this film i mean sharon i mean correct me if i'm wrong but the bits i've seen of this film it seems like um just it gives and it gives shows you a village that you just really want to go hang around because it has all these characters in it who are just extremely colorful yeah these colorful characters and in some ways you could say they've thrown every Irish stereotype in there. <laughs> You've got this sort of tweed type characters in there. Yeah. But I think it's done in a, such an affectionate way that you, I'm not Irish so I can't say I'm not offended by it because I, <laughs> I wasn't. <laughs> but you'd like to think that even if you were Irish that you wouldn't take offence at it, that it is done in so affectionately. Mm-hmm. And there's some cultural references of the day. Obviously this was made in 1952 and they talk about the IRA sort of quite casually. But this was like way before the Troubles. So the IRA then was not the IRA that we knew yeah. in the later times. And they talk about um, the Catholic Irish problem. They have... Um, there's the Catholic priest, obviously, he's like a force in the village. And then there's the Church of Ireland priest, who again, and he's got a congregation of like two. Yeah. <laughs> and the bishop comes along thinking, you know, we can't have this. You know, do we really need to have a Church of Ireland church if you've only got two members of the church? And so the Irish priest organises that the whole village will turn out for church <laughs> on the Sunday that the bishop comes <laughs> because they're just pals. The Irish priest <laughs> and the Anglican priest are just like best pals. And he's like, no, we don't want you to go. So we'll just fill your church that Sunday so that you can stay and make the bishop happy. Oh dear. And you think, 
that is just a perfect picture, isn't it, of of what it should be? And yet we know things were, were different later on. Yeah. <laughs> but so it's a lovely. It's sort of idealised, but it is just a lovely picture of a village life where people, everyone knows each other, they care for each other. And when this resolution comes about, they're like, yes, they're all fight, following the fight, but they want to see it resolved, <laughs> yeah. this, what's been going on. And, and, then it's like, and I know it, it's probably, it, I know they've done this quite a few in quite a few films, where like, and especially when it's like in a village or anything like that. And it's probably not, it's probably a sort of Hollywood, Hollywoodized thing, but where a fight is just seen like good fun. Yes, it's it's good fun going on. Everybody's kind of like getting involved. It's like, yeah, just a fight. And no one really that. gets hurt, do no, they? Because no you see, like, being, you see one guy and his leg being bitten. He's like really like <laughs> digging in, and it's funny. It's not now. You go, that's horrid. <laughs> but in the film, because of the, in those days, you didn't bite and kick. I was just completely out of it. Yeah, it was just made it funny. I remember watching this film with my dad many years ago, and those are the bits that he really laughed at. The thought of someone biting your leg, <laughs> and the thought of someone you know like trying to poke you in the eye because you know they were you know put them up you know they would like put up your dukes and you'd fight that way just yeah. proper fisticuffs you wouldn't kick or bite at yeah. all so in a film we'd find it so funny to see this sort of dirty fighting in such a humorous way well yeah dirty fighting it doesn't really injure anyone yeah I mean, no I one's think, hurt at the end of it I, I think when we're growing up we 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 absolutely loved having a fight scene like that give give us like you know a big barroom like especially in westerns like the barroom yeah when everyone suddenly jumps in and grabs Every, a chair everyone jumps in a guy jumps from the balcony lands on everybody i think there were a couple of them in another john wayne movie el dorado yes that we watched growing up we loved we just loved that stuff and all their furniture just seemed to fall to fall apart really <laughs> easily didn't it yeah well the first and, and mirror smash yeah, <laughs> I remember the oh yeah, and people just get thrown out of windows and like no, pro- nothing happens. Yeah. I remember the first time I tried to hit somebody with a chair and I ended up being like really like, why didn't you just break apart? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or you punch someone and you're like, ow! It didn't uh, make the sound that it did in the movies. Why does my hand hurt? And my hand hurts. And your face doesn't. <laughs> What's wrong with this picture? Yeah, yeah, no. So it's um um okay, cool. Um, final thoughts on the Quiet Man. Any uh, Sean? Um, yeah, no, no, a great watch. Yeah, it's a good, good Sunday, Saturday matinee film to watch on TV. It's just really good fun. Well, watch any time, really, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and Maureen O'Hara, it's absolutely fabulous. You need to see McClintock. Have you seen McClintock? Yes. You've seen McClintock. You need to see McClintock. Is that the one where um, John Wayne comes to London to teach people no. how to No, be... that's McHugh. Okay, cool. But McClintock is <laughs> a Western, but it's like... Because uh, he actually, husband and wife. Yeah, their husband and wife, and he actually carries her over her shoulder doesn't he and spanks her and everything and it's quite it's quite yeah the, the yeah. feminist like inside real, sort yeah she's like <laughs> really, really affronted and sort of marches off and gets tarred and feathered and everything and the whole town's out again really similar actually to um to yeah. the quiet man well you know hollywood if a name broke yeah. <laughs> so yeah good watch <laughs> yeah sharon no, I just think to, to, to sum up from the beginning, yeah, it's there's tenderness in this film, there's mischievousness in this film, there's exuberance, and it, it's just an, a, a sort of a watch that you can just yeah you, you can just soak it, let yourself soak into it like a warm bubble bath it and let it just yeah you feel warm afterwards that you've mm. watched it. And it's it's probably one of the it's because I found it, reading up about it, they said that John Ford won won the Best Director Oscar for it, like his fourth one. And I think it's probably one of the most unassuming sort of like Oscar contenders that I've ever seen. Yeah, I think because you tend to think of Oscar winners as being sort of quite heavy subject matter. I don't think they took themselves so seriously in the 50s. I think they rewarded films that were entertaining Mm. and that people enjoyed for what they were rather than this is about a serious issue or this is 
do I've got powerhouse acting it was more about if it's a good entertaining film yeah best picture best director <laughs> yeah we love it whereas now they tend to go for things like oh this was a really good film it was like serious subject it was matter very, it was very worthy it was really worthy deep emotional <laughs> acting you know where they wring out every drop of emotion from every scene and you think no this was just fun so let's why can't they make you know fun films best films they often the ones that do well at the box office they often there's a bit of a disconnect isn't there now between what does really well and then what actually gets all the rewards yeah yeah and you think yeah in those days it was more about if it's a popular film will reward popularity and success as well as tackling harder subjects yeah true but I think also then they did focus more on the story because they had no special effects. But true, true. <laughs> but but we, we we will move on before this becomes like a big philosophical debate. We discuss Hollywood, <laughs> uh, yeah, but it's a genuine classic. Okay, all right, cool. Okay, now we go into the section of the show where we go into the hospital and we speak to somebody in the hospital, asking them the question about the first film they ever went to cinema. Now today I went to our pet ward, Alveston, and. Met, spoke to, uh, and I met, spoke to, spoke to Jill, who had this to say about the first film she ever saw. I ever went to the movie was Black and White in South Africa to see Tarzan. <laughs> That's all we had, sort of black and white movies, and the one and my most one I can remember is Tarzan swinging through the uh, through the trees, going oh whoa oh, oh. and that's about all I can remember. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, that's my only remembrance of my first movie because I am 70 now. <laughs> Do you remember who you went with? I must have gone with either my mother or my brother um, because my father wouldn't have gone to see Tarzan. <laughs> uh, so, round about when was this? This must have been in the 50s, 1950s. Um, I probably was about 12. Um, and they, they were ghastly places to go to, and um, everything was in black and white. Uh, but, you know, it was, you went, because it was the movies. <laughs> so, a lot of times when we speak to people over here, uh, who were raised up in England, yes. they talk to us about what it was like and how there wasn't much TV around at that time and everybody. So, what, what was it like in South Africa with cinema? Well, well South Africa cinema, well, TV didn't hit it until the late 80s, so you really had an outdoor life. You didn't have um, TV, you had movies, um, and they were a great treat, but um, certainly there was no TV for me when I was growing up. Um, and I can't, I remember going to see The Sound of Music with my father who loved that. And I, you know, he had, we had to go about 10 times, but I mean, that was it. <laughs> so I never want to see The Sound of Music again. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, you know, my memory is fading fast as I am 70. <laughs> oh, no, thanks so much. Okay. Was there anything you remembered particularly about Tarzan? Or? No, just it was Johnny Weissmuller, I think. And he, you know, this wonderful body and, um, and just swinging on these sort of grapevines. And that's about all. And there were exciting stories with him and his gorilla or his ape or whatever it was. And that was it, you know, it was entertainment. <laughs> uh, and also, obviously, because obviously Tarzan was supposed to be set in Africa, and um, you, is it, oh, hang on a second, sorry. Yeah, Tarzan is supposed to be set in Africa. Yes. You're based in an African country, yes. and like, so yes. were you, were, were, were you were looking at the screen thinking, 
oh my god that they got that wrong or oh no no not at 12 do you know 12 it was just oh it's wonderful i'm here look, looking at at something no no i wasn't that deep into thinking then <laughs> <laughs> okay thank you so much oh, sorry i didn't catch your name i'm, I'm jill Yes. So, Tarzan, Tarzan. I was expecting the call. The call. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Oh, 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 oh. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah, uh, that is from like that was just from a snippet of a uh, of a compilation of Johnny Weissmuller music mm. from like, his his Tarzan movies. Yeah. I'm I'm really glad we've come back to Tarzan. I think we we spoke about Tarzan yeah, in one the, of our really really early shows. This is the second week. time. It's the yeah. second time that Tarzan has made a, a is, <laughs> has made an appearance when people are talking about the first movie experiences. That's it. And very apt because I saw a trailer for a new Tarzan movie that's coming out which yes, looks Yes, I've seen a trailer for that. Yeah, well, it looks yeah. So there should be a new Tarzan film coming soon, but I know the the one what was her name? Sorry. Toes, what was Jill. the lady's Jill. name? Jill. Jill, yeah. Yeah, Jill obviously enjoyed the, the adventures of... Th- and they are great adventures. I mean, they're just fantastic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, so obviously, uh, based on, like, Edgar Wright's Burroughs no, of series of um, of novels. And the funny thing about it was, like, you know, Johnny Weissmuller, he was picked essentially because of his body to star as Tarzan. And um, I was... And I, I always used to think, okay, well, that was... Well, you didn't even pick an actor or anything like that. But then when you actually go back to the original novels and you read the description of what Tarzan was like, Edgar Rice Boris essentially went, this man looks like a god. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he much. was intelligent as well, which yeah. of Johnny Weissmiller, I don't think... Uh, well, well, yeah, I, th- I think... Because, you know, in the films, when they originally made it, they turned it... They turned Tarzan into a sort of like a, me, Tarzan, you, yeah. Jane. But in... In, in the original novels, Tarzan was actually very intelligent, very, very intelligent. so yep. like um very eloquent. And when you actually start looking at into the the background of Tarzan and what was written in it, I think I think that's what they're trying to fix a little bit with the with the with new the Tarzan, Tarzan movie. Yeah. With the new Tarzan movies that they're trying to fix a little bit is the fact that um because of Hollywood, people always think oh Tarzan is like this of like me Tarzan, you Jade. Yeah. He's kind of like ooh, yeah. ah, ooh, ooh, ooh. grunty. Yeah, he's he's grunty. He can't speak English or anything like that. But the but in the original thing, it was like, no, he's actually very intelligent. He understands a lot, a, a whole heap of languages, and he's and, and uh, yeah, and I think it's it'll be interesting to see a new one of those. But these ones are definitely, definitely um, classics. Yeah, he was r- an r- Olympic cl- swimmer, wasn't he? Was he was Olympic swimmer. Yeah, yeah, yeah he won. Runner. He won a, won a medal. But you um, forget how many films they he did as Tarzan, because in my head you tend to think of oh, he did one or two. He did a lot. Twelve, I think, twelve or thirteen. Oh goodness! Yeah, it was so, pretty much his entire career. Yeah, <laughs> it was really. Yeah, and um, yeah, I mean, they used. If you think the animals that were used in it, because I mean, they were real yeah. animals and stuff. I mean, it must have been the, the, maybe that, not the crocodiles. <laughs> I don't know. Well, no, no, the thing, that that's the bit. I mean, the, that's the bit that gets me is because this these were made back like, so almost okay in my head i'm thinking the dawn of cinema maybe not that maybe not that close but but they were made when the equipment was heavy it was not easy to get around i was actually at a at a film conference yesterday and there was a guy who was talking about showing the size of a camera that they had to use to make films and this was like in the 30s or 40s 30s yeah these, films, these were 30s. massive they, yeah. were, they were like they were like you know half a car yeah then to get these cameras to all these locations and to film all these animals like i think in the first tarzan movie there's a shot of like a lake with a whole bunch of 
with a whole bunch of birds. I think they're egrets or something, all flying in formation, taking it from over. And you're thinking, it's in black and white. It's in like, you know, a sh it's not in widescreen or anything like that. But that's an amazing shot. And then you think about the lack of technology that they had back then and they had a camera the size of half a car to get it out there to get that shot i'm just thinking this is amazing yeah <laughs> what these guys have done with this thing is amazing and then the shots of all the animals some of them you can tell are kind of like filmed in a zoo yeah, <laughs> they look slightly bored don't they yeah. like, this is a, that's a bored lion and I, I think when this stampeded as well it speeded up a bit oh yeah yeah <laughs> you definitely see the speed in there but what's quite interesting which i find interesting about is obviously with jane um maureen o'sullivan yeah another more uh, not to be confused with maureen, maureen o'hara maureen yeah, o'sullivan i mean oh, a big crush on on maureen o'sullivan but it's when they there's, there's a film called um tarzan finds a son oh, well, yeah. obviously they couldn't i mean in the in the 30s they couldn't you know nothing could possibly happen <laughs> between them so <laughs> conveniently there's a plane crash and cheetah finds the only surviving this uh this little babe yeah and just so he grows up so yeah, that's and is that called boy? Is it boy? Tarzan finds a boy, yeah. And then they just call son. him boy. They call him boy, yeah, boy Johnny Sheffield, yeah. So, so I do remember the boy adventures. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so they all end up together, and he gets into a few scrapes, and of course Tarzan has to rescue him, you know, with naturally, Jane naturally, like he does, you know, <laughs> fight crocodiles and talk to elephants. <laughs> so, and I think all he ever says to every animal was umgawa. Umgawa, yeah. like that, and like they all know exactly what they're yeah, supposed to do. Universal, um, obviously, universal. Yeah, it's universal. Sign for yeah, it's like Star Trek. Everybody knows. Right, what I want you to do is I want you to go and um, squash that that village. Umgawa, <laughs> and off they go. You know. <laughs> yeah, great stuff. No, no, but they're they're pretty good, and I think it's also the fact that they they had quite a few of them. But that just that sort of followed what Edgar Rice Burroughs did with the books because he was. You know, I think that when he wrote them, he wasn't particularly thinking of them. I think he was inspired by, okay, get Rudyard Kipling is before Edgar Rice Burroughs, right? Yes. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. So I think he was inspired a little bit by the Jungle Book and the tales of Mowgli and everything. But I think he was essentially just writing yarns to be written, to make money and all that. So he Yeah, wrote, they he wrote, churned out a lot, didn't they, some yeah. of these early writers? You forget how that they... The, the famous books are like, what, a five? And then they actually wrote a hundred? Yeah. You just... <laughs> well, yeah, well, I, th I think Dickens, I know going back a little bit further, but he got paid for the for how many words he wrote. Yeah. Yeah, which so, is just like... You string it out. Yeah, you string it out. You're going to put as much as you can. <laughs> yeah, so, so it's a case of... You You look at... So I think now these people think, oh, Tarzan, oh, you know, but it's like, you know, literally amazing of height of height, height of, like, you know, literature. But it was just like a, a guy trying to get paid and going, hmm, what can I write that? Okay, yeah, yeah. we're going to have... Yeah, entertainment. Yeah. It was essentially entertainment, but... Yeah, there must have been the most films, one of the most... Uh, you know, a character that's in the most films, Tarzan. The I fact there's a new film, apart from Sherlock Holmes, maybe, but yeah. you know, there's an enduring appeal to it. Obviously, if there's a new film yeah. coming out yeah. every few years, like a few years ago, they did a Tarzan, didn't they, with a, a more common like Door to the Jungle, but it was mm -hmm. uh, uh, well, a pastiche of the one called the Tarzan. Greystoke with um, Greystoke, the they did Greystoke Tarzan, with, yeah. with Christopher, Christopher Lambert. Lambert, Christopher Lambert, that's yeah. the guy. Yeah. And yeah, there's every generation. So, there's yeah. every, they, they tend to because, leave it a little while, don't yeah, they? But then Disney they come version. back again. They had a Disney one which was scored by Phil Collins in the nineties. Then I think about two, three years ago, they actually made two Tarzan movies in the same year. One of them was animated, and one of them was live action. They both sank without a trace. Right. <laughs> so, but this new one looks like it's quite good. It and, and I know mm -hmm. the guy who's playing Tarzan, Alexander Skarsgård. Yes. Yeah. And... Uh, that was a quick. That was a bit too. Like, oh yes, wasn't yes. it? Yes. <laughs> oh yes. Oh yes. Oh yes. Yeah. 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 Yeah
Alexander. Yes, Alexander, take that top off. Wear that loincloth. But yeah, so essentially, apparently, he's been in training because they're trying to go back to like the original books, and because in the books, Edgar Rice Bros essentially says this guy looks like a god. Like he is, he he he's been he's been raised by apes. He has to have enough dexterity, musculature. Yeah, like you know, to actually do everything that apes do and all that kind of stuff. So apparently he's been in training for months, but it's like they've been regulating what he's been eating, all that kind of stuff. And and I saw a picture of him and he, he good Lord, looks like he has 16 abs. Yeah, because I've <laughs> seen the trailer and he has beefed up a lot because we know most people know him from like True Blood and he's been in a few other films. Yeah. And he is naturally, he's like a tall, thin Swede, isn't he? Yeah. He's naturally quite slim of build. Yeah. And this, he is, he yeah. is. <laughs> Words fail me. He, he, he's rippling. He, he is glistening. He yes. is, is glistening. It's a bit like Rambo, like St- Stallone in Rambo yeah, but, Three or something yeah. like that. Just <laughs> handsome. Yeah, well, the, the trailer with, did did look good actually. Only with and less clothes. You mentioned the Jungle Book as well. I saw the trailer for that. Oh, the, the new version one. of the yeah, Jungle the Book. Gen, that looks pretty cool as well. Yeah, the live action version. As someone who's from Africa, mm-hmm. I know Africa is a huge continent. Yeah, and it's made up with many, many different countries. As an African, do you? What do you think about Tarzan? Do well, you have like a response to Tarzan? Well, you see, the, the thing is, like, you might have you might have picked up a little bit of my bias when I was actually speaking to Jill <laughs> in the <laughs> interview with Jill. You might have picked up a little bit of my bias, but it's uh, a. I think I think there's bits of Tarzan. Uh, I remember watching it as a kid. Didn't think about it or anything. I like, just thought, yeah, cool guy. And the fact is that the Africa they showed on screen. Well, I don't know what country was supposed to be, but it looked nothing like where I grew up. And we didn't have lions. <laughs> we, we didn't have lions. We didn't have like elephants just randomly walking around. So it it was. Um, so I never made it. Never connected in my mind that that was supposed to be Africa. And also the fact that even though it was Africa, you didn't really ever see any Africans. You saw the you saw the Europeans coming in on their ex, ex, uh, expeditions and then coming in there. So it never connected to me that this was supposed to be like the continent I was living on. So and it was, it's not until later life that you think, hang on a second, yeah, that's that is a bit annoying. The fact that you just but we actually and I think the Hollywood stuff. Obviously, there was a whole bunch of. Um, stuff going in there be it with politics or anything like that which is why you didn't see many black people on screen so when it got to hollywood tarzan changed anyway but the way it's explained in the books by edgar rice Burroughs, i'm actually I, I think i'm happier with that because how tarzan gets to be left there in the first place that his family his mom his mom and dad essentially get betrayed and dumped there and then what actually happens and i'm thinking okay yeah, this is actually quite good and for me it kind of makes sense because the kind of expedition that he go that his parents go on when he gets left is not something that i think many africans would do it would, <laughs> <laughs> it would have to be a european who would come over and go oh a jungle i'm gonna go in there and try to find out what's going and yeah most people just go no that's a jungle there's bad things in there we're yeah. gonna stay here where it's safe <laughs> so yeah, I don't so, want to go and play in yeah, yeah so, hot sweaty snake infested areas. No, thank you. Yeah, so so I'm I'm kind of okay with Tarzan. I think I think some of the Tarzan film they use Indian elephants. Yeah, the different African, ears and stuff, yeah, don't they? Rather yeah. than African elephants. Where is it supposed to be set? I mean, it's just like oh, I you know, and so one of your pet hates Tarzan is the whole. <laughs> It's Africa. Oh, yeah. And it's like, well, that's a, there's a lot of Africa. Well, yeah, yeah, it's true. <laughs> Where is it? Is it supposed to be like the Belgian like, Congo or somewhere? Where is it supposed to be? I, I don't know. In the original book, it's supposed to be somewhere on the west coast of Africa. Okay. It's supposed to be somewhere on the west coast of Africa. And he, he created like a... Cote d'Ivoire whole, or somewhere like that. That, that, yeah, sort, of, that, that sort, sort of area. area. That sort of area. Anyway, Tarzan, thank you very much, Jill. This is great. As you can see, we are probably going to be talking about this for a while. And then we're going to have a nice little group show get together to go watch the new 
Tarzan movie with Alexander Skarsgård and his 16 abs. <laughs> but now <laughs> <Count> we <me> <laughs> now we go into the bit of the show <laughs> where we talk about a hidden gem. Where this is a film that is it's it's, it's okay as 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 it is on this show. It's an old film, but this is an old film, a great film that doesn't really get its its due, and not many people know about it. Sean, today you have chosen our hidden gem, and could you please tell us what our hidden gem is? Yeah, our hidden gem. Um, we're coming back to Errol Flynn. We haven't touched on him for for a long time. No. Um, and this is uh, one of his later films, uh, The Adventures of Don Juan. Uh, terrific movie, sumptuous color, real real sumptuous color. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay, let's have some music from The Adventures of Don Juan, which might set the scene a little bit as to exactly what kind of movie this is. Yes, and there we have it. The tune, well, well, the opening theme from The Adventures of Don Juan. The thing is, when it kicks off, right, I just have this image in my head of two trumpets on either side of the screen <laughs> with flags hanging from them. That, and in, obviously, obviously in Technicolor. So, yeah. Yeah. so, okay, so, Sean, tell us, what is The Adventures of Don Juan? What is the storyline in this? Thing? Okay, well, basically, Don Juan, probably you'll recognize the name, he's had this... Um, a few illicit affairs in London, so they want to sort of kick him out. But the the British ambassador um, sent him to Spain to look after because he thinks something there's a bit something going on in Spain. So he says, "Oh, you know, here's a letter. Go to Queen Margaret in Spain and, yeah. and offer you your services." Of course, so he does, and he falls in love with her. But being the perfect gentleman, and she's married to the king, yeah, obviously nothing. Although something might happen, but. They give him the uh, the job of a fencing instructor in Spain. He gets a job as a fencing instructor. So he, in fact, and of course, because he's got this reputation, all the women want him. So he's got all these, all these <laughs> ladies trying to. They're all watching and clapping and oh, and I've dropped my hanky. Can you possibly, <laughs> you know, you can return it to me? So he, uh, he, you know, he does all these things. But his heart's not really in it anymore because he's in love with the queen. But he finds out this uh, this plot. To like usurp the throne, yeah, fantastic villain, Count de Lorca, absolutely. That probably, I, th- I think, better than Basil Rathbone in um, Robin Hood. There, I say. Oh, yeah. But anyway, uh, so obviously he wants to protect her. Um, so there's lots of fights going on and, and a terrific scene where obviously all his cadets, where he's who's taught to fence. Oh yeah. And th- this is really where was Robin Hood? The, the, the sword fighting was a bit wooden this is real proper sword fighting in this it's oh, yeah. real really good moves you know um leaping off of big carpets on the wall drapes on the wall and sliding just and the whole story's just really really good but basically he's um got this reputation but he ends up saving the day so, so it's just so a good sorry yeah it's just a good good old-fashioned swashbuckler really uh, so so he comes across a plot and he has to he has to fend off the plot with his swashbuckling. He finds it, yeah, with his swashbuckling. But but what's quite good in this one, I think, is because, like in most of Errol Flynn films, whether you look at the Seahawk or Robin Hood, the the fight at the end with Count de Lorca, he's not actually Count de Lorca's a good good swordsman, yeah. and um, he doesn't actually kill him with a sword. He kills him with a knife. He has to, you know, he's not he's not got the upper hand against Lorca because Lorca's a good. But yeah, obviously he prevails in the end, and 
it's 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 a really lush great movie this and, yeah and i would recommend it to any errol flynn fans because it's not one that really goes on the radar they think robin hood the seahawk captain blood but this one doesn't really ever get mentioned much yeah so it's uh yeah because know, this this came this came later in his career it did it? indeed yeah yeah because i was reading a, a reading up a bit when you picked it and it was saying about how essentially Flynn uh by the, by the time he made this film he was past his physical prime yeah and he he was he, he uh, there's accounts like he just he drank his way through the whole production like he was just drinking like every single day on <laughs> yeah. set and stuff he does look and, a little bit jaded <laughs> yeah he looks and I've seen the scene because the, the scene you're talking about like this there's this massive elegant sword fight all done on like the on on like stairs yeah done on, on these amazing sort of like production design stairs that you only really got when Hollywood just had all the money and could do whatever the heck they wanted. Didn't make them like they used to. They they, they just (laughs) don't. They really really don't because I mean, I guess that's the kind of thing that would have been on like an MGM or Universal backlot and they would just have had these stairs sitting around as like, we need to make a movie that has some stairs in it. Oh, how about these? Oh yeah, that'll do. So it's it seems like obviously nowadays you don't have, you don't really have that sort of like studio system or studio is gone and they just have stuff sitting around just in case they might need it in a movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but it is an amazing I mean, the staircase is just is, is amazing yeah it's it's like that it's really really sumptuous color it's just yeah. you know it's, it's... And, and this was made in 1940 was it seven was it no, no. 1940 1947 yeah. I know that it was it was after it was after the I was reading about it and they, they said that how it was made pretty soon after the second world war yeah after the second world war ended and apparently there were like re- you were talking about you know um, the Seahawk and Adventures of Robin Hood and they released they re-released those after the war ended and those were like you know big massive successes so the studio went oh yeah let's get that Flynn guy back in yeah, <laughs> yeah. so is box office draw <laughs> yeah so so yeah when you say he he might look a little bit jaded in it it might it, it, that might be the case apparently they did have to they had to keep shutting down production because he just wasn't up to it because he was ill or he'd injured himself or something like that or probably he was drunk well there's a, there's a <laughs> Flynn film called San Antonio it's a western and Anne Sheridan's in it and they used to have iced water and there was this thing that it was just pure vodka with icing and, and the <laughs> pair of them used to used to just <laughs> drink you know they'd have this water but in fact it was neat vodka um, yeah that's, that's quite a good movie too San Antonio but I respect your brother because he's a big he's my a big... brother's is a, a big Errol Flynn fan so I've I've seen every single Errol Flynn film that he's ever made including this one including this one all right and a few films that I you think oh just you know scrub my eyes because they are so bad because he, <laughs> he did uh, towards the end of his sort of peak he made a few just rotten films <laughs> but yeah I've seen all his all of his stuff but my brother's a fan and he's a bit of a collector as well he's got some first editions of his books and posters a first original posters he's got this one actually the adventures of don juan up in his hall framed but it's the original german poster from 1947 oh, oh. so a bit of a rarity lovely colors in that and he's got captain blood but again it's in german so it's captain blood or however <laughs> you say blood. Yeah. and other yeah he's got quite a few original posters so i'm a, i'm i'm a completely aware of most of errol flynn's life okay. Okay, so, <laughs> and so, works, but yeah, I think this is as an Errol Flynn film. It works still because it has that joie de vie about it, you know, where he is just exuberant and he just throws himself into mm-hmm. these things, and he wears tights and <laughs> costumes that you think no 
No, but they have no real <laughs> historical accuracy, do they? But they're just fun and it, sumptuous. It sounds, it sounds a bit like Roger Moore in A View to a Kill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Sorry, Sean, you're going to say. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, but but the scene that that really sticks in my mind is all the ladies, you know, all want the, the you know all the ladies of the court, and that just like he, just and, and and he goes through the motions and he climbs up the balconies and he's like. Oh, I'm returning your hanky. Oh, come in, come in. <laughs> but he's not really, his heart's not really in it. But, uh, okay. That's great. Well, one more thing, because Don Juan, the first time I ever heard of a character called Don Juan was in, I think it was a 1995, either 94, 95 film called Don Juan DeMarco. Yeah, Don Juan Johnny DeMarco. Depp and Johnny, Marlon Brando. Yeah, Johnny Depp and Marlon Brando. And that was the first time I ever heard of, like, you know, a character called it's, Don Juan. I think it's a novel, wouldn't it? Is it a novel? There's a poem by Byron. Poem, poem. that's, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. uh, so I was thinking. I mean, Sharon, you might know who is Don Juan because it seems like it's Don Juan is guy. He's, he's yeah, this legendary. I know the poem the that, that Byron wrote, but Byron wrote it in about sort of eighteen twelve, something like that. So yeah. it's very early, one of his romantic poems. So I don't know if there's a real Don Juan out there, but it is. It's a man, romantic poem about this man who, you know, rips his way through the hearts of many women. <laughs> so is, has is adventures. He, is he essentially James Bond a couple of centuries earlier? Yeah, I think he is a a Byronic James Bond. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Byronic James Bond. Byron, that's, I like that. Right? Yeah, I like I'll, that. Too. That's that's a great quote. A Byronic <laughs> Don Juan, a Byronic James Bond. They sh- they should bring him back and put that in a movie. But I haven't read it, so I, there might be nuances to his character. He might be a tortured soul underneath all that womanizing, but I don't I know. Think, <laughs> I, I think he might be in some Spanish literature as well. Isn't it it but, must but be based on some I think sort it's of some, I think, Spanish. I think it's something to do with some Spanish literature. Because what period is this set in? I'm not aware of it. Queen Elizabethan. Elizabeth, Queen Elizabeth, that, Elizabeth, our Elizabethan times, yeah. So, so that sort of A couple era. of hundred years before Byron then. Yeah. So it must have been around for a while. Hmm. But yeah, it's it's a good film, isn't it? It's it's enjoyable, like all of um, Errol Flynn's swashbucklers. Oh yeah, they're you great. can just swash your buckle and sit back <laughs> and enjoy it, can't you? Uh, and and, the, and I guess the, the thing with the swashbuckler is that essentially, w- w- when we talk about they don't make them like they used to, they they almost literally don't make swashbucklers anymore. No, they, no, they yeah. don't. I think I think. Um, what Even when they one? try, it doesn't quite work. What like the four musketeer type yeah. things. They don't cut, quite cutthroat work. Island. There was cutthroat Island, yeah. yeah. I mean, that bombed. That, like, totally, totally yeah. bombed. Yeah, they spent a lot of money to write you. a lot of money. And, and, I don't, and I actually don't think it's a bad film. No, I like the film. I, I, I quite bad. like Cutthroat Island, but it just, people just weren't ready for it. And I think, and the, the thing people that said, oh, this brother swashbuckler back was um, Pirates of the Caribbean. Yes. Yeah. With, once again, Johnny Depp. With the whole, the twist to it. I think the first one was good, but... I'm not so sure of the later yeah, ones yeah, myself. I, I think I think that's a franchise that it, it kind of brought the swashbuckler back and then killed it. And then killed it. All, yeah. all, in, all, in, all yeah. in one franchise. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I'm like, because the first one you're like, okay, cool. Then the second one you're like, what? The? Oh, good Lord, no. By the end of it, you just want it to end. Yeah, you, you just really? you just you just want it to be over yeah. with. Yeah. And in television, I think a, a television sort of tries to take over the mantle of some of these genres, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Like there's Black Sails, which is a oh, yeah. prequel to Treasure Island, yeah. which is you can watch on various Amazon, different yeah. streaming sites. But again, it doesn't have that swashbuckling quality. They try to make it a bit grittier. And it's bit more earthier. it's more dramery. Yeah, so you want just the ridiculous fights going up curtains and down staircases, That's don't it. you? You do indeed. Okay. John one is obviously Spanish, a legendary fictional libertine. The first written version of Don Juan Legend was written by Spanish dramatist Triso de Molina. Well, I don't spell that right. Um, <laughs> published in Spain around 1630, the name Don Juan is common metaphor for a womanizer. So, so yeah, I, thought, I thought it wasn't in Spanish. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, yeah. Good stuff. All right, before we move on, Sean, any final words on Don Juan? Just if you haven't seen it, 
you really, really, if you like Errol Flynn and you haven't seen it, you really need to see this movie because it's it's top notch. And I mean, it gets high ratings on all the all the all the sites. sites Rotten yeah. Tomatoes, IMDb, so good stuff. Yep, good stuff. All right, and now we go into the section of the show, which is called the exception to the rule. Our titular rule is they don't make them like they used to. The exception to the rule is this is the film that was made after 1980, and it's still kind of quite good. Now, I have chosen this film, and I know that this might actually be disputed, if nothing else, because it stars Hugh Grant. But but this is the film, which when when you said The Quiet Man, and I saw started reading about The Quiet Man and find out, I was like, this kind of reminds me of The Quiet Man. It almost kind of bottles the same kind of so i don't know joy of the quiet man in this only that instead of having an american you have an englishman and instead of having an irish village you have a welsh village it is the englishman who went up a hill but came down a mountain which was i can't remember what film it was it was in the 90s made in the 90s some at some point I yes think. it's when hugh grant was at the height of his hugh grantness wasn't hugh it? Grantness. Well, well it is i think it was actually before the hugh grantness I, th- I think this might be i think this might have been made before forwards and a funeral oh right because i think forwards and a funeral is when Hugh Grant became Hugh Grant. Yes. <laughs> because, he still acted before then. Yeah, he still acted before. Th- yeah, sir? 95. 95? Yeah. Okay, maybe just slightly after. Yeah, maybe yeah. just slightly after. But it's I still, it's because if you see some of Hugh Grant's early um, performances, he isn't his, well, you know, I was just thinking, oh, big cake. He, 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 wasn't, he wasn't that sort of Hugh Granty. I think that got solidified in Four Weddings and a Funeral because that became a big hit in America and then that's when it was like this is what you shall play until the end of your life. (laughs) And and I think in this one he's a bit more of a reserved character. He isn't as bumbly. He isn't as stammery and he comes in as like he's like a surveyor kind of and he comes into this Welsh village and the whole idea is that he's supposed to come in and he, he, he... he has a job where he says whether this is a mountain, of, I think, for like the ordnance survey. And, and I can't remember what time period it's set in, but it's ages ago. So for the ordnance survey, and he says this is a mountain, or this is, this is a mountain, this is a hill, all that kind of stuff. And so in this Welsh village <coughs> called Flewengaru, something Ooh, like that, they, they're like really, really proud of the fact that they have a mountain. They have a mountain. Oh, look, we have a mountain. That's who we are, Flewengaru. We're the place with a mountain. And he goes and he ma- measures the mountain and he says, oh, sorry, you're about, it was something like, you're about, five feet away from being a mountain you're actually a hill you don't have a mountain you have a hill and they go no 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 we have a mountain we have a mountain (laughs) and so they refuse to let him leave the village (laughs) until they can figure out a way of making the the town a hill and they have this plan where they're just going to keep walking up the hill with pails of rubbish and keep dumping like pails of dirt there until they make up the remaining five feet and then they actually qualify as a mountain and he meets uh he meets a late uh lady in the town played by Tara Fitzgerald where he obviously there's a love story that sort of develops there and you actually really get to see this whole idea like you know how you were talking about in The Quiet Man about all of the different stereotypes of Irish people showing up you have the similar thing like you know the Welsh stereotypes showing up and everybody like that and small small village life and I remember watching this film I watched this film in the 90s. I would, it was it was before I came, came over to England I was in Nigeria and I just kind of thought that just looks like a really, really cool village to go hang out in. I want to go hang out in there. I want to go in a village that has such a like a has such a community spirit that everybody so gathers together and they go. You know what? This means something to us. You know what? Does we want to have a mountain? This means something to us as a town or as a. Village. We are going to 
stretch up this hill and we're going to kidnap this guy and we're going to like lock him up in this town so he can actually leave until we get enough dirt up there to make up these five minutes to, to actually qualify as a mountain and i just thought it was really 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 cool and i would recommend anybody go watch it it's a real good sort of like sunday watch i would say how about but you guys you've seen the film yeah i've definitely seen it uh yeah i, I did enjoy it as well i think yeah it's that whole idea of yeah your identity is you I guess it's about identify identity, isn't it? For him as his man, he co- is an Englishman. Mm-hmm. That's he's in the title, and how his sense of identity, and then the village, and how he becomes he learns to know himself through yeah. this experience, doesn't he? And he gets to appreciate what they have and what he lacks, and that he the bit you know that he becomes a more complete person. By there's more to experience. there's more to life than just this job. Yeah, and by this the, through love and through fulfillment and through and he instead of just saying no 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 no. It's a hill, full stop. He's like, actually, if you can get it above a thousand feet, <laughs> it's a mountain. Yeah. So he doesn't act against them. He says, uh, you know, he moves through that process of saying, no, 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 this is the rules. A mountain has got to be over a thousand feet tall. And your mountain is not, it's yeah. a hill. Yeah. Because there's a bit in the pub where he says, well, it is in fact, you know, he goes like, <clears throat> A hill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he's scared to say it and they all go... <gasps> and there's a lovely bit at the very end of the film where it says this was set in like the 1940s or 30s or something. Or yeah. I can't quite remember. But at the end it said they the Ordnance Survey resurveyed the mountain again in 1990. And it was again like five foot short. So the, the villagers once again <laughs> trundled up there with their bags of stones and their everything to get it above its thousand feet because it all settled and they're like oh no we are going to save our mountain (laughs) (laughs) wait hang on this isn't based on a true story is it well according to this film but then you don't know do you oh yeah you don't know oh uh, wow this is that little scene at the very end where you see all these people in modern dress running up the hill with their buckets of stones oh my word if that is dumping them on the if if it's based on a true story i'm going on a pilgrimage to find that (laughs) yeah (laughs) to fight just so there, the story is a good one, but fictional. Oh, it is oh, fictional. Is it? Oh, sorry to burst your bubble. That's <laughs> oh, a nice idea. It's a lovely it? idea. It's it's a lovely idea, but I think it's I think it's and I love it. It's it's kind of like just one of these films that it's kind of like the main thing in the film is just like a MacGuffin. It's it's not it's really it's not really like, about the mountain. It's not really it's not about the mountain. mountain. It's not about the mountain. It's about this village and it's about looking at these people and I, and I I love films that have that kind of aspect to them. I think I think there's a film that was released last year called Pride, which yes. is a, mm. which uh, from what I hear is a little bit like that. Yeah, that it, yeah. it's village it's, coming together. It's it's a little bit like that. It's it's supposed to be about one thing, but really it's about an examination of what the, it it means to be part of this village. Yeah. But yeah, so I would recommend that, and it's probably one of the longest titles you will ever have: <laughs> the Englishman who went up a hill but came, came down, down a mountain. All right, cool. We're going to play some music now from that, the opening credits from The Englishman Who Went Up a Hill But Came Down a Mountain. And then we'll we'll carry on to the next section of the show, which is all about us talking about what we've seen recently at the cinema. Nice and rousing. <laughs> oh, I love that. I think we should make a film on the island about like Roxol or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. About a village. We just have to figure out what the MacGuffin is. 
Yeah, that would be cool, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what, actually, I was speaking to somebody the other day. You know how on the show we often talk about, when we talk about when we talk about I Love Movies, and yep. we talk about uh, an island movie, and we say, could you have been filmed on this island? Where would you have done stuff with? And I was actually at this film conference yesterday, and the Isle of Wight was there selling itself as a lo- film locations. And I passed our idea by them of like, you know, re- re- doing like classic scenes from movies set on islands, but filming them in different areas of the island to sort of see, yeah, it could have been done here. And to see whether, um, and, and they were like, oh yeah, that sounds like a really, really good idea. And I don't think they're going to give us any money to do it, but, <laughs> but you can rest assured that if we made them, they would use them. You heard it here first. You heard it here first. You heard it here first. So I, I have, I have this whole thing. You know, the clever girl scene from Jurassic Park. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I I want to remake that either in Vietnam Botanical Gardens or a Black Gang Chine. Yes. Oh, definitely Black Gang Chine. Black yeah. Gang Chine. Yeah. yeah. And I want part. Sean to play the guy who goes clever girl. <laughs> 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 I just want to remake that scene. Just that scene where you, it's like we could do that. We could go around making scenes. Yep. Yeah. I actually I, I seriously reckon I want to do that. I want to do something from Shutter Island in Shanklin Chine. I actually want to just go and have like you know could have been made on the island and just go around picking island movies picking certain scenes and just recreating that scene here it is on the Isle of Wight possibly with the original soundtrack with the the original music and everything like that but just to see if we can create the scene shot for shot on the island that'd be cool wouldn't it you could do that few places i'm sure yeah don't worry once summer once summer comes in man we're we're we'll do something yeah we're gonna have a couple of we're gonna have a couple of wet sundays <laughs> weekends <laughs> trying to remake this you heard it here first they'll make them like they used to we are going to be recreating classic film scenes of movies that were set on islands that have something to do with islands wait to see our king kong I th- blown away. <laughs> have any of you guys have any of you guys seen a jack black film called be kind rewind no, yes. no, no, I haven't no, seen that. Where they yes, Swede funny. everything. We yeah. could we could Swede some, <laughs> some island movies. They're called... That's quite a good film, isn't it, really? It is, it's fun It's a fun film. If you're into movies. Yeah. We're out of time. So oh, until, okay. the, until the next time, please do take, take it easy. Listen to your doctors. Get well soon. Get home. Watch some movies. And remember that as always, they, they don't, don't make, make them, them like, like they, they used to. to.